0: From the PSI ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. Today, we are going to be talking about the new children's manual, which is Teaching Children's Snow Sports with Kevin Jordan and Mark Aiken. Kevin, Mark, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you,
1: George.
0: So, Mark, let's start with you. Uh so, how did this uh, project come to be, and how did you, Mark, let's start with you, how did you and Kevin come together to uh, get this all put together?
2: Well, Dave Shuling invited both of us to um, serve on a committee last summer, not this past summer, but the summer of 2020. And what the committee was going to do was to look at all of the children's resources that had ever been put out by psia and we call ourselves the cement group which stood for something about children's educational materials national task force or something like that and um, i think dave gave us a little homework assignment to write up an outline of what the manual the new manual ought to look like and we did that and next thing you knew he approached us separately and said would you guys want to write this thing and we're so glad he did because we were immediately just a great team and uh um yeah that's how it
0: happened (laughs) i mean kevin that's that's very fortuitous because i mean just bringing two people together to do a project like this where i mean how much time did you actually spend together each week um
1: well Mark and I have actually never met in person uh we only spend time on zoom and phone calls and uh you know George like like for me the things that I'll kind of add is uh you know writing is definitely a process and uh, I'm a big fan of of Mark I've actually learned a a lot from him because he is a a professional freelance writer like he does this is for a job um you know, and I would say like writing has always been like a, like a hobby and kind of something that I've gotten into and stuff. I would always do kind of on the side for me. Uh, so it was really great to, to work with him. But, you know, when you put together uh, a manual, it, like the most challenging thing is that you have, you know, 40 to 50 contributors. And, um, essentially, you know, we have to give some, some props to dusty Dyer and, and Stacy Garrish, who kind of laid the, the foundation, of uh this manual for us and then from there it was essentially kind of taking it and reimagining a little bit of it and also evolving it to you know really ask the question what makes a great kids instructor and also like what is going to propel children's instruction forward Um, and in the process you know we kind of went through and it was like well we've done this one manual before and then we've done it again and you know some of the similar theories are still in there you know let's say like cat model for example right like that's a, a tried and intrude model that tends to lend itself you know it applies to everyone adults or kids but it really uh kind of finds itself in the children's instruction world uh so but we kind of went through that and said well how does that you know overlay with some uh, teaching snow sports you know the great work that I'm sure 50 or more contributors <laughs> did <in> that
0: project. <laughs> um,
1: and then just trying to, you know, kind of make something that would be consistent uh, and cohesive and, and, uh, you know, heads off the Mark as well, because, you know, as we were trying to do rewrites and redrafts and, you know, I think people don't really understand like how many times you actually like rewrite something that you know in some ways you can get a little little sick of it (laughs) you know but like in a good way because you're just trying to get like what are we really trying to say you know and in the in april actually i was kind of busy trying to make the national team and, and mark actually you know he was slaving away of just uh writing and rewriting and writing and rewriting and catching grammar and typos and things like that and You call me and kind of give me an update, and I give him an update of what I did during the day. But um, but yeah, we're excited for it to come to fruition.
0: So Mark, really that that back and forth, I would add, went on all winter.
1: Like Kevin and I communicated either by
2: phone or by Zoom like a couple or more times a week all winter, starting in like October. I believe it. And it it really was, it was like a team effort. Like, you know, we took turns tackling a chapter and then, you know, Kevin would write a chapter and then I would review it. And then we'd talk about it. And it was definitely just a huge, uh, you know, team, team effort.
0: So that was funny to me when you were saying, you know, Mark would then look at everything and go through it and check the grammar and this and, how frustrating is that when you've done that so many times you've got the finished product, someone picks it up and says, Oh, you need a comma there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, um, for me personally, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's helpful, right? Because like you want to put something that's out there and you want to put the best product forward and really together, like the group of minds is way smarter than any one person. That's why it's like, you know, it's a, like Mark says, like it's a team effort, but it's also like there's a ton of quote unquote authors. Uh, the trick is just trying to get it to sound like it came from one person and then it came in one voice. Um, and I think something a true testament to Mark, he, he can write very conversation based, you know, so it sounds more. Um, that like you're having a conversation versus like reading, you know, text that can sometimes tend to be a little dry. Now we're not necessarily expecting people to read this cover to cover. Um, But if you do that, great, more power to you. But, uh, you know, I think it's just something that I wanted to add some more, you know, kind of like article based uh, writing or, or, you know, kind of fluidity so that the reader had something to, you know, kind of keep, I don't know, like keep them awake for lack of a better term. But, Not saying that, you know, all manuals are boring, but, you know, I mean, a lot of people are reading them towards uh, a goal, but some are reading it because they really have a genuine interest uh, and some are reading it just to learn some more. And it's, you know, that's the challenge is how do you write all this great information and really disseminate it down to what are the key points and really challenge some beliefs that might have been there for a long time too.
0: So to tease the manual, this question to both of you, and I don't want you to go into too much detail, but what makes a great kids instructor? Mark?
2: Well, we asked that question to like 30 um, industry leaders and just like people that are our idols as well. And, you know, it's so many things. And I think that, uh, you know, what I took away from it is, You know, it's someone that can reach kids on their level. um, Can you know look at kids really quickly and assess what they need, and also the best way to get them there. But really, it can look a lot of different ways. You know, great instructors. There are so many. uh, They take. They make so many different shapes and sizes. Um, You know, so I think the uh, the manual tries to pinpoint some 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 main you know ideas of what a great instructor is but it can look a lot of different ways
0: and kevin i i ask this because i i really think there is a gift i think uh a good instructor can teach all ages but especially with say the four to six year olds it, it, there are some people who just have it
1: yeah exactly i mean my answer was uh, was fun So (laughs) simple, short, concise, Um, but there's different layers to that as well. But, you know, I think it's something that, you know, I started out teaching kids because I was a 14 year old teenager. And uh, so it made sense, you know, like I was teaching a three and a four year old because there was about 10 years of difference between us. Um, And I just had a lot of fun with them. You know, the more that I had, the more kids like entertain themselves and the less of a goofball that I needed to be. But if I had less kids, and if it was more of a one-on-one situation, like a private lesson or just a smaller group, I had to increase kind of my, you know, character and my, <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna ham it up a little bit here and get the kids, you know, laughing and having fun. So um, that was just one aspect. of like Mark said, you know, there was like thirty. And they all range the gamut from, you know, really understanding and kind of being there for the kids. Um, and also, you know, knowing when to take themselves seriously, you know, when it comes to talking with the parents. Um, but, you know, if the instructor themselves are is having a good time, then there's a good chance that, you know, the kids are as well. <laughs> um, so to your question, George, like the the it factor, I think it's it's those – instructors that are definitely having fun and they're they're you know they're creating games they're they're not exactly sure where where things are going to end up but they have some tools you know and and hopefully this this manual this text helps gives them more tools uh to kind of help create or develop and really hone their craft and you know and hopefully it sets them up for success
0: and mark as the father of two children kevin you also have two kids uh, do you feel that that gives you a leg up in teaching kids, Mark? Kevin, do you go first?
2: No, Mark, you that, go first. It, it. Yeah, um, it gives me some experience, but I don't think that you need to um, to be a dad or a mom in order to be a great kids instructor. In fact, I, I think that if you don't have kids, then maybe you. Um, are better able to like be a buddy as well as a mentor, whereas you know, I worry about myself. You know, maybe I'm being too much of a dad when I'm teaching these kids. Um, you know, I don't think that uh, parenthood is a prerequisite, Kevin. You know,
1: I think it's definitely changed uh, expectations, I would say. Um, you know, pre kids i i was still hamming it up trying to have a good time you know with all the kids and everything and you know based on the models and the ages you know i could tell like this would happen then and this would happen you know there and some of the theories and stuff and then i then i had kids and uh or no the double-edged sword for for me was there's a little bit of like expectations or a little bit of like pressure that i put on myself (laughs) where um you know i'm an examiner i'm the ed staff member and man my kids have got to be good and uh my wife who is definitely smarter than me but don't uh don't let me know you know don't don't let her know that (laughs) um she'll she was just like you know you just gotta make it fun like you just gotta make it fun with them and, and make sure like they're having a good time so if they wanted to you know stop have hot chocolate or mac and cheese then that's what we did um, because it was more about like kind of sharing the love. So I, sh- I feel like my expectations changed a little bit. Like I have a little more more empathy for other parents out there um, versus before. Um, but I'd say that's the only thing that's kind of uh, changed a little bit of just, just understanding that, you know, every kid is going to be different. They're going to learn at their own pace. And sometimes the hardest thing is to, to identify when you need to get out of the, the way <laughs> of their, their learning. You know, if they're struggling with something like it, it's hard not to want to jump in as the dad, you know, but, uh, but a lot of times you, you have to, and, and it's something that I actually need to probably practice more than I preach to Kevin, to let them struggle, you know, Kevin, what you say about just understanding the other side, um,
2: as a parent, what I, what I know now, now that I have kids, I just would not have known prior. It's so yeah, true. Exactly.
0: Now, Mark, question for you. One thing Kevin was talking about a little earlier was that it was important for you guys to make this book readable. And I love what you have said about it. It's where academia meets practicality. Can you explain that a little bit?
2: Well, you know, one of our goals on the front end was we didn't want it to read like a manual. Like manuals don't have to be dry. They don't have to be boring. And we did not want our manual with our names on it to be dry and boring. And I think we succeeded in that, but the other thing that we wanted was we didn't want to just cover the theories. We wanted it to be practical. Like we wanted to be able to open any page in this manual and have there be something in there that we can use or you can use tomorrow, you know, in your next lesson. And so the manual certainly does cover the theory, but for every theory that's in there, um, there's examples of how you can apply that in your next lesson.
0: And Kevin, you mentioned this a little bit earlier and I would love for you to get into it more. This manual doesn't just talk about games you can play with kids. It really helps instructors get creative and create games instead of uh, just using some things that maybe you learned a long time ago really put something together that fits the kids that are in your class. How are you able to do that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think like for me being on a, you know, education staff and a lot of times you travel around and you do clinics, you know, instructors are hungry for bag of tricks. Like what's your go-to exercise? What's your, which one do you use? And you know, kind of why do you use it? Um, and so I started experimenting a little bit with, um, I was actually down in Telluride, and you know, I had someone like asked that exact question. They said, "Hey, what's your favorite bag of trick?" And I was like, "Like, what do you mean?" <laughs> and I just asked more and more questions. And the more questions we came up with, we kind of built a student profile. Um, and this is actually in the manual a little bit. Of we tried to identify like a skill or a fundamental. So like we had. Uh, something to focus in on, you know, so I I forget what it was, but maybe let's say it's like rotational control. So boom, there was something that we're going to focus on and that's everybody knew what we were looking at. And then we also talked a little bit about the age and the student profile. If they're older, we can expect them to do this, this, and this. And then we also talked a little bit about like, well, what would be their, their level? Like which, you know, why would you use this exercise or game or activity based on the level and then the key piece of it was like having some kind of theme or some kind of teaching for transfer because that's really like the hook to get them in there so for example uh, i can remember my first season in snowmass i had a bunch of beginners Uh, i believe texas was on vacation so i was like you know where are you from and my kids like texas and i'm like where are you from they're like i'm from texas and quickly like the group of eight we're all from texas so i was okay texas is on spring break and what I carried in my pocket was I had a, a hockey um, like shoestring, like a longer lace, and I had two loops on it. so I would take it and I could use it multiple ways. So I would just have a loop and you know kids could kind of hold on to it and I could pull them if I needed to, like a little bit on the flats. Um, they didn't have ski poles, so you know I could pull them around. I could I could you know have two loops and they could kind of hang on to it. And so what I ended up doing is every single time like a kid fell, we had this whole rodeo theme, and they had been to rodeos, so they understood what, um, calf time was all about and so like <laughs> and whenever they fell I kind of tied the hockey shoelace um, string around their skis and had them like tie me and do all this stuff and what I learned a very important lesson here George was uh probably didn't do the best job summarizing because the very next day one of the dads came up to me and he's like uh yeah so I just wanted to uh, uh kind of learn some more about how you know uh, little little Clara said she had the best time ever, but uh, she kind of got tied up in the lesson. So could you explain that? And So I showed him and then explained how we were doing it and the theme that we were using. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I was like, note to self, explain that better to the parents <laughs> so they don't think I did something totally different. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's just things like that, you know, that just help, um, you know, kind of craft where it's like you, you don't need to, Uh, rely on the back of trick. I mean, I had never done that before. I just made it up and it was something that the kids had bought into and they were having the best time doing it. I was having fun doing it too and that's all you need.
0: And Mark, you were going to say something?
2: I think our approach was sort of like the adage where you could give a hungry person a fish or you could teach them to fish and what we were doing was, you know, there are plenty of examples of games and activities in the manual, but more important to kevin and i was how do you make up a game that fits the student in front of you what that student needs and what that student is interested in so um rather than just constantly trying to expand your bag of tricks like how can i be a game maker
0: now this really isn't a fair question kevin but I- any idea when this might be available? And I know you're not giving us a, a specific time frame, but will it be this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're hoping to have it out sometime this fall. Definitely, you know, early winter, if not, um, we've got a couple things that we got to finish up. But, um, you know, it's been a little bit of a process. It, there's been, you know, some COVID delays. We know people are hungry for it, so we're doing the best we can to get it out there, the membership
0: and Mark, is it a relief? Are you proud of the product? What's it feel like to uh, finish a project like this? The whole experience has been great.
1: I'm psyched that it's coming out. Um, yeah, it's just been a great experience.
0: Kevin, same question.
1: Yeah, you know, I think every you know kind of project is is somewhat different. Um, you know, I, I have worked with Tony Macri before on like the freestyle manual and that was just a different, different scope. It was different content, it was different material. Um, and then working with Mark, you know, was, was an amazing experience. I I learned a ton. And I think that's something that, um, in every project, like, you know, it's just the side benefit of like, if you're raising your hand to do, you know, a big project and, uh, and you learn some more out of it, that's only bonus, (laughs) but I think it's something that, uh, hopefully, You know, we really strive to, like, have everyone be able to use it, whether you're, like, an adult instructor that, you know, just happens to teach maybe a a local's program on the weekend, uh, someone who's studying for their children's specialist, the CS1, CS2 track, like that, it'll probably provide some value for. Um, If you are a kid's instructor, obviously it'd be a great tool and a resource. So that's always the challenge is, like, you have so many different audiences that you're trying to hit, Uh, But I think we did a pretty good job of trying to really just put the bare bones. This is what you need to know for some kids' instruction. And here you go. Take it to the hill.
0: Well, Kevin Jordan, Mark Aiken, thank you very much for all of your work on this project. And thank you for taking the time to chat with us on First Chair.
2: Thank you, George. Thanks, George.
0: From the PSI ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.